We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. A pleasure to have you along. Tomorrow, JMU App State in Boone. The showdown with these two teams should be a lot of fun. We'll have it over on WSVR coverage at 2 o'clock. Kickoff is set for 3. And let's talk some App State football now with Adam Witten. He's the play-by-play voice of the Mountaineers. Adam, how are you, sir? Dave, doing well, man. I'm looking forward to, to my first experience with App and JMU yeah. after – after a long time, they finally get to meet again and uh, continue what was a pretty sto- a pretty epic history in, in terms of the results of the game. No doubt. I'm, I'm excited about it, too, just because this will be my first one with, with these two teams as well. But um, I, I love the, the history. There was, when these two teams played before, it was usually a big football game. It was. You know, the last time that they came to Boone is, is one of the games that, that a lot of people on, on our side remember very fondly. No question. You know, there's been, a, there's been some debate uh, this week about, you know, what happened against Troy this past Saturday was dubbed the miracle on the mountain, too. <laughs> and there's been some debate amongst our fans about whether it was two or three. Right, right. Because a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people consider the way that the 2007 playoff game against JMU ended with the, with the fumble as JMU was going in to kick the game-winning field goal. A lot of people consider that a miraculous type of victory. So, yeah, I mean, that that was the last time they faced off in Boone. You know, in 08, the regular season meeting where JMU had that fantastic second-half comeback. And you, you combine the series history the last two times they met, plus what App has already been through the first three weeks of the season – we have no reason to believe that this is not going to be another thriller on Saturday. Well, how about last week? That had to be thrilling as as the voice of a team to have a Hail Mary actually work and win the football game. What a moment for, for App, obviously, but but to call the game, too, was outstanding, I'm sure. It was. It was. You know, I don't think I was able finally able to, to come down from the adrenaline high <laughs> until about 2 a.m. Uh, after that game was over. And I think that's the case for everybody. You know, pe- people reacted in one of two ways to that. They either reacted the way we did in the booth, which was just nonsensical screaming and jumping, or they they stood there and just stunned silence. And, and you know, certainly our audio and our video made the rounds across social media. And we were we were just losing our minds. You know, the thing that, uh, that I've been saying about that is, uh, this team with that play has been noted from post-game press conferences and other interviews that the team practices for, for moments like that. They run those types of situations, you know, toward the end of the week, when it, whether it's hurry-up drills or kneel-down sequences or Hail Marys or onside kicks. They, they practice all of those situations. As broadcasters, you don't rehearse those types of things. <laughs> so you don't – I've never, I've never experienced a moment like that. And so – you don't really know how you're going to react because you never practice for it. Right. And uh, you just kind of do whatever your, your emotions tell you to do in that moment. And that's certainly what happened. Yeah, no question about that. We're talking to Adam Whitney. He's a play-by-play voice of the Mountaineers. And even the first that game, but the first three weeks, the win at College Station, the 40 points in the fourth quarter against UNC. I mean, you, you couldn't ask for a better start as a, as a radio guy to, to call some exciting games. It's been an unprecedented three <laughs> weeks in this program. Certainly we've had big moments before sure. the Michigan game and national championships and things like that. But in terms of a stretch of, of consecutive weeks, like what's happened, plus you throw college game day being in the mix before the Troy game, this is unlike anything we, we've ever experienced. You know, the analyst on our broadcast, Brandon Turner, who was a part of our first national championship team in 05, uh, this is his first year. And, and after every single game, we've, I've had to say to him, it's not always like this. It's not always like this. And then, sure enough, the next week, yeah, it's just like this. And then the next week, it's just like this. And so 
at some point, you know, we're going to get some boring 31 to 10 game. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be this week, but hopefully at some point we'll, we'll get to have something that doesn't toy with our emotions as much as the first three weeks have. Yeah, they tug at you, no doubt about that. We're talking to Adam Witten, the play-by-play voice at App State. As, again, the Dukes and uh, Mountaineers meet Saturday coming up tomorrow down in Boone. And, you know, Adam, talk a little bit about just the the, the culture of, of App State. I think it's very similar to what JMU is. I think these two two programs are very similar in what they do, but um, it's such a strong culture down there. No, no matter who's been the coach or who the players have been, uh, the foundation's been set, and, and they love football down there. They love football here. It seems like these two programs kind of mirror each other. I totally agree with that, Dave. You know, it's, it's when we knew that JMU was going to make the jump this year and join the Sunbelt Conference, the thing that we all talked about was JMU is, is the is, – if there was one program in FCS, that was built to have the same kind of start that App State had when it made the jump, JM used that program because they were so similar at the FCS ranks. They had so much support uh, around the program, and you have that culture. You know, the thing that, the thing that really defines the culture at App State is, is the fact that it is kind of a player's program. Um, you know, the coaches come and go and, and, and things like that, and administrators and staffers come and go, but – you know, the players commit and, and, you know, app doesn't lose a lot of guys to the transfer portal, knock on wood. You know, it's, it's a place where people want to be. And, and we've seen them get better because of the transfer portal with guys like, like Chase Bryce at, at quarterback. And so players really drive the, the culture in this program to the point where I think the best representation that I got from it was when we visited with our recruiting coordinator on a previous coaches show. He said that, you know, when they bring people in for recruiting visits, and part of that is spending time with the other players, and they lean a lot on the opinions of the current players to see whether or not the guys are a fit. It's more than just what you see on tape. It's more than just than you know their their physical abilities. Are they going to fit into the culture? And they really lean on the opinions of the players to tell them whether or not that's going to be true. And and I think because the players are so well respected and, and have such an impact on the direction of this program that I think gives you that that culture that can remain consistent even when there's turnover. You mentioned Chase. Let's talk about Chase Bryce, you're, you're the starting quarterback for, for App State. Obviously, uh, folks remember him at Clemson coming in against Syracuse and, and, and willing the Tigers to a win and then eventually a national championship, then at Duke for a year and now his second year at App State. What have you seen out of him from last year to this year that, that's been impressive? You know, Chase is, is not much different this year than he was last year. He was really good a year ago. He, he set the school record for, um, for, for most passing yards. He had, a, he had a great season, but as Chase matures, his decision-making gets better. And we've seen that while, you know, you, you come into a game and maybe his completion percentage isn't as high as, as it was in some games to start the year last season, he's not making bad decisions that puts his team in, in a bad place. He's thrown one interception through three games. You know, they didn't turn the ball over against Texas A&M. They didn't turn the ball over against Troy. And, and I think that was always the knock on Chase coming into App was because he had so many interceptions in that one season at Duke. They were wondering, could he protect the football? And, and Chase has always had the big arm. He's always had the, 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 the good head on his shoulders and the intelligence to be able to play the position the right way. It was just, you know, could you avoid the, the turnovers? And, and this year, when he is making mistakes, he's making mistakes and, and inaccurate throws in a way that nobody else is going to be able to catch the football if his receiver can't do it. So his receiver is either going to catch the ball or nobody is going to catch the ball. And that I think is one of the biggest changes we've seen in his style of play 
where, you know, the interceptions aren't up, but also the quote-unquote interceptable passes, the ones that don't get caught but maybe should be caught by the other team, I think those are way down as well. I think the one thing that stood out to me is you guys lost three all-conference receivers last year and didn't have a ton of experience coming back. Now, the guys that are playing this year, I mean, they played played, played some, but not a lot. But Deshaun Davis has stepped up, Christian Horn, uh, Caden Robinson, all these guys that have kind of stepped up in a way that I, I remember talking to Coach Clark at the Sunbelt Media Days, and he's just like, I, I feel good about that group. And, and you can see why. These guys have really done a good job to step up when, again, they, they're kind of, this is their first time in the, in the, in the spotlight. Yeah, it was certainly a big question that, that Coach Clark and others got asked about at Sunbelt Media Days and other opportunities to speak with them prior to the season. But nobody within the program was worried about the wide receiver position because of like what you said. I mean, the, the guys were, were talented. They had the ability. They just hadn't been proven yet. You know, they, they hadn't played the, the frequent snaps or been in those big moments yet. But we knew they had the ability. And the thing about it is you mentioned – App had a lot of different weapons last year, and all of them seemed to graduate at the receiver position. They still have as as much versatility at that position as they did a year ago. And so when you look at box scores, you're not going to see a player that's going to catch nine or ten passes. You're going to see it get spread out to nine or ten different receivers. You know, Chase threw six touchdowns in his first game against North Carolina. Six different players caught a touchdown in that game. And so whether that's receivers, whether that's tight ends, whether that's running backs, um, th- there's just so many different options there. And, and I believe they're, they're just as talented, if not more, than, than what they've had in the past, even though they don't have the, the numbers and the experience coming in. We're talking to Adam Witten again. He's the play-by-play voice at App State. As uh, it'll be App and JMU coming up tomorrow at three thirty down in Boone. And boy, your 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 backs are impressive too. I see Cameron Peoples and, and Nate Noel, but also Detrick Harrington's been there a long time. So so he's he's a guy that stepped in the last couple weeks when uh, Noel's been out. But those guys, along with the experience, the the size, the depth of your offensive line, um, that's what that's what the offense is built around is being able to run the football and be physical, isn't it? It is, and and that's what won them the game against Texas A&M yeah. because in the fourth quarter, when Apple was on the field for over 41 minutes in that game and ran over 80 plays against Texas A&M, it was their ability to be physical and run the ball with Cam Peoples particularly that allowed them to move the ball enough to kick the late field goal, to keep possession of the football when they needed to, and, and be in a, in a spot where they could just take a knee at the end of the game. So, yeah, I mean, App, App, while it has a great quarterback and all these weapons that can catch passes, the running game is always going to be a big focus for the program because you have to be able to not just keep the ball in your possession to keep the other team's defense on the field and, and, and make sure that you're not allowing their offense to do too much damage, but, you know, you have to be able to pick up third down and two. You have to be able to keep, make first and ten, turn into second and six, and third down and three, and not get yourself in those long yardage situations. And if you're not a, if you're not an offense that has the ability to consistently get three or four yards when you run the football, then I think it's really hard to do anything sustainable on the offensive side. But yeah, there, there's a ton of depth at that position. Both Cam Peoples and Nate Noel have rushed for over 1,000 yards in their career. Dietrich Harrington, if not for injuries, would be another 1,000-yard mm-hmm. back in his career. Uh, Anderson Castle, um, who is a you know former uh, quarterback at the local high school, Watauga High School, is, is, a, is a threat to run the football and catch the ball. He caught his first receiving touchdown a week ago against Troy. So there, there's a ton of talent, and I think with Kevin Barbet at the helm of the offense, they're finding different ways to allow all that talent at all these different positions to – 
to really be creative and try different things. But, you know, you said it too, when you've got four starters back from an offensive line, um, you know, you, you, it gives you a lot of liberty and it gives you a lot of time to be able to do the things you want with your playmakers. I talked to Coach Barbet earlier this week and was impressed by him. Has, has the offense changed much with him at the helm? Not a lot, no. Um, you know, I, I think maybe they, they tried to get a little more creative with how they get the ball in a certain playmaker's hands. Um, you know, we saw that last week with Deshaun Davis, who is a threat in a variety of ways, but he takes the ball on an end around last week and then throws a touchdown pass early in the first quarter um, against Troy. So, no, I mean, you'll, there's, there's a few little wrinkles here and there that Coach Barbet will put in there because he's got a very creative mind and, and he's, very, he's been very successful on offense. But I, I think the product of what you might see in terms of the play calling just has to do with your personnel. Um, App has yeah. just got a lot of valuable and effective personnel on the offensive side of the football. But, but overall, from a scheme perspective, there, there's, not a, there's not a drastic difference. Yeah, We're talking again to Adam Witten, the play-by-play voice at App State. I guess set for JMU tomorrow. And how about defensively? Uh, again, people look at, at giving up 63 in Week 1 to North Carolina, but then obviously you go to College Station. Didn't have to play many snaps, but holding to 14 points and, and play outstanding. What do you make so far of this App State defense? Yeah, it's, it's still a little bit of a work in progress, Dave. I mean, the, the, the first week was certainly not something they were proud of and giving up that many points and not being able to make you know critical stops when, when they had to. Texas A&M was, was certainly a much different story. You know, they absolutely dominated against Texas A&M. And it was 17-14, but only seven of those points were given up by the defense because one was on a kick return. So it, it's been a little back and forth because last week, I, I don't think they were pleased with the way they played defensively. Troy was able to move the ball too much, complete too many passes, you know, ha- had some, some uh, situations where their eyes weren't clean and getting distracted by movement. You know, they didn't wrap up or fit their gaps the right way. And so that's defense is, is predicated on being in the right position because of the way that their base defense is set up. And, if, if your eyes aren't where they need to be and you're not in the right spot, you know, you could get hit for a big play. And so that's been a huge focus for them leading up to this game. But the defense is very young. Right now they've, they've got, you know, three starters back from a year ago because of guys leaving or be, because of some injuries at the position. You know, they, they haven't had Trey Cobb for the last game and a half, one of their talented linebackers, but he's expected to play on Saturday. Uh, they've got some new starters on the defensive line, three of their four starters. Uh, left from their secondary from a year ago. So there are some new faces in there that are still trying to get some experience, and you're getting a little bit of those, you know, inexperienced mistakes on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, the the good thing is that even as they're trying to figure it out, they're still 2-1 and with with a 1-0 conference mark and a win over a top-10 team on the road. So (laughs) um, I expect expect a much better performance on Saturday – uh, because we, we certainly saw that after they, they didn't open up the season well, but they rebounded in a big way against A&M. And, man, there's some proven commodities on that side. Nick Hampton's a stud. Um, Stephen Jones Jr.'s a stud. I think Nick Ross is starting mm-hmm. to come into his own as he's, he's leading you guys in tackles right now. He's been really good. But there's some great pieces over there for sure. Yeah, I mean, Nick Hampton is, is probably the next uh, great player in terms of potential to, to have an impact at the next level. You know, DeMarco Jackson took that leap for the team a year ago. Akeem Davis Gaither took that leap in 2019 before getting drafted by the Bengals. Nick Hampton is probably the next one to do that because he is an elite pass rusher. Um, and, and not to be overlooked, the guy that plays behind him on the roster is, is Jalen McLeod, 35, who is also a very good pass rusher. 
They just happen to play the same position. <laughs> right. So, you know, you, you've probably seen this if you've been studying the team, but they've been using this, this package where they try to get both of them on the field because they're just too good. They, they can't have it where, where one of them sits on the sidelines in a, in a passing situation because they both are really, really good at getting to the quarterback. Yeah, McLeod, a couple of sacks in that game against Texas A&M. But, all right, what, what are your thoughts on this game coming up with JMU? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be another tough test for the defense. I mean, the uh, JMU's played two games, and I realize that you know the competition may not have been as, as much as, as what App has faced, but they're doing what good teams are supposed to do. When you're the better team, you come out, you play great, you dominate the game, and that's what JMU did in its first two matchups. And so uh, the offense is, is something that really has the team's attention. They do a lot of different things well. It all starts with the quarterback, Santeo, who's, who's been you know really impressive through two games. So uh, I, I think the defense is in for another big challenge on Saturday. And, and, and JMU on the defensive side of the ball is, is very aggressive. So the team knows that, hey, you know, a big reason why we were able to win against A&M and we're in there toward the end and had a chance to win at the end against Troy was because they didn't turn the ball over. But JMU does a lot of things defensively that puts you in situations where you might make a mistake. So they're going to have to be very disciplined in this game. They have to be able to tackle well in space, execute, keep clean eyes because of all the different looks that JMU can give you to, on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, uh, the way that App has played this season and the way that, that JMU is playing coming into this game, we're, we're expecting another one to be to go right down to the wire. Adam, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it, and we will see you on Saturday. Dave, appreciate it.